Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible Podcast, and welcome to our Bears-Packers postgame show. The final whistle just sounded, and our Bears are officially the 2018 NFC North champions as they took down the Green Bay Packers 24-17 to in a game that just has me feeling relieved because it's about damn time that the Bears found a way to win the division. And of course, to do it against Green Bay at home just adds a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of something extra uh, to this victory. Now, I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and to help me break down this game, I'm joined by my co-host, Brandon Hazlett, and our site writer, Andrew Ortman. Brandon, you and I have been doing this podcast since 2015. We're finally here, man. We're finally here. Congratulations. How are you feeling? I feel really good. I kind of wanted to bust out in song, but I don't know how, uh, how well that would be received to our listeners as I don't sing very well. So I uh, feel really good, though. feel really good. How about you? Oh, gosh. Like, it's, I'm elated. I mean, it's been eight years. Um, I was telling Tatiana, my wife, uh, right before, like the last time that we... Uh, the first time her and I ever watched the Bears game, it was the Bears NFC North uh, NFC Championship against the Packers. And ever since, we just haven't been able to do the same <laughs> kind of things. And I was like, well, I guess it's not you, because over the years, I thought it might have been. So I'm glad to be here. But uh, Andrew, I'm glad to have you on as well. We haven't had you on since uh, training camp, actually, or right beforehand. Uh, how have you been? And of course, uh, how you feel to be NFC North, North champions? I'm, I'm doing good. I've been busy being a Papa Bear, so I've kind of been occupied but the bears have been it's been a great great first season for my son it it feels so good just with this team the youth this team has the likability this team has and to do it at home against green bay it just club dove's got to be rocking today it better be i'm sure it is i bet you this is the one where you're gonna see naggy dance or maybe he's gonna hold that for the playoffs we'll see how it all shakes out i'll be keeping an eye on twitter so i'll give you guys that of course very imperative update but let's go right ahead. Again, the Bears are NFC North champions for the first time in eight years. And again, I mean, I can sit here and celebrate all day, all night long with you guys, but we do have a game to break down regardless because 
I mean, heck, 24-17, Bears won. So let's go ahead and just jump right on in to our opening drive in the first quarter of our postgame show. And let's begin like we always do with my monster moment. And my monster moment is going to be Eddie Jackson's interception with only three minutes left because the Packers were only down 10, and they quickly uh, diced their way down the field, got deep into the Bears' territory, and Eddie Jackson comes away with the interception, um, which obviously uh, how we kind of saw the Packers do it again, march down deep into the Bears' territory. I'm glad that we were able to take some points away because if they would have even settled for a field goal on that drive, who knows exactly how this game would end up. So Eddie Jackson's interception, ending Aaron Rodgers' longest streak ever of passes without an interception, is going to be my monster moment to help seal the deal. And, of course, I do say this knowing that he did twist his ankle, it seems like, on that play. He had to head to the locker room. Hopefully he's okay because Eddie Jackson's going to be a very pivotal part of our defense moving forward. So hopefully he's not going to miss much time. The good news is he does have a couple weeks rest if he needs it with the Bears securing, of course, uh, the division title today. But, Brandon, I'm going to hand it over to you. What's going to be your stat of the game? Yeah, my stat of the game is going to be a number, Will, that follows you around. It seems like uh, throughout uh, your life in random places. Uh, stat of the game is going to be 11 because this is the 11th time since uh, the Super Bowl era that the Bears have won the NFC North. I thought that was a really, a really fitting number. There's plenty of stats from the game that I'm sure I could throw in there, like the five sacks. Uh, the Bears had the one interception by Eddie Jackson that you already mentioned. There's a, there's a lot of good stats out there to, to throw, but I think the number 11 is, is more fitting. There is. I'm going to just throw two stats out there from the game that I believe are very critical for the outcome of what we just saw. Uh, number one, third down efficiency on defense, holding Aaron Rodgers to over only 5 of 14 on third down, which of course was key to get him off the field. Um, there are a few key times in which they did that. And then, of course, the Bears on offense, uh, a 75% touchdown uh, percentage in the red zone, scoring touchdowns on three of their four red zone trips. Um, The last time we played Green Bay, they were 104. And, of course, in a seven-point game, they needed to convert on those trips. They did, and that's why the Bears came out today with the victory. Now, Andrew, usually this is where we're going to do a Nick snack, but I'm going to go ahead and take care of that. But first, I'm going to go over to you for the lowdown. What's the specific reason why the Bears won this game? The, the same formula I've had all year. Their defense is just world-class. I mean, to hold – I know the Packers are having a down year, but it's still Aaron Rodgers. To hold them under 20 points is – I mean, it, it's impressive, especially when they're fighting for their lives. It, they're in desperation mode. They're, you know, their Super Bowl would be to not let the Bears win the division in front of them. They were going all out. and the Just the relentless pass rush, the tackling, the continued just non-existent opposition run game. Doing it with defense. Trubisky also, I mean, as bad as he was last week, he was, you got to give him credit today. I mean, he was making good decisions. He was throwing catchable balls. He had a few drops. That completion percentage could have even been higher. Just overall, overall, just a really good all-around game. We even had some good Bears special teams moments, which hasn't always been the case this year. So just all all three phases and the fans, they were even commenting. All four phases, really, just they showed up when they needed it. Exactly. And that's like, we needed a... I'm going to say complete game. I know it wasn't a complete game, but all three phases, like you said, even four, uh, stepped up when they needed to, when the when it mattered most, and that's why the Bears came away with the victory. Now, I'm going to go ahead and take care of uh, Nick Snack today, and I did just send him an invite. I know he's at Soldier Field. I'm sure he's enjoying himself right now, but if he pops in, um, we'll see exactly what kind of mood he's in. I'm sure it's going to be great. But uh, for me, the knack of the game is going to be the Bears' defensive ability 
to mitigate the damage after the offensive turnovers. We had the, uh, the fumble with Tariq Cohen, and that could have been a very crucial part of that game because the Packers on the previous drive was able to put up points, and the Bears' defense, uh, I was kind of worried to see if they can do that again, and if they did, the Bears' chances to win this game was going to be uh, very slim. But the Bears' defense, after that fumble, was able to kind of hold sturdy, force a three and out, and kind of hold true. And they've been doing that all season long, really, finding ways if the offense kind of goofs up to limit the impact that it has in the outcome. So for me, my knack of the game is going to be the Bears' defense's ability uh, to go ahead and mitigate the damage after offensive turnovers. And now it's time to go ahead and jump right into our MVB. There are so many options on both sides of the ball here. I'm excited to see where you guys take this. But Brandon, you're up first. Who's going to be your MVB today? Uh, MVB, I think I'm going to take uh, maybe one of the obvious ones that could go each and every game like we talked about, and that's Cleo Mack. Just the way he played today, he had the two and a half sacks, uh, six total tackles on the day, he was able to shut down the run, was just able to kick consistent pressure on Aaron Rodgers, drew a couple holding penalties throughout the day. Just the way he attacked just relentlessly the tackles today was just absolutely amazing. The pressure that was consistently coming off of his end wherever he was lined up played a very, very big part in holding Green Bay to only 17 points in this one. So Cleo Mack, uh, very deserving most games, but this one I think is one that he really, really deserves this one. All right, Khalil Mack, like you said, an obvious MVP each week, but he did impact this game um, you know, quite much, so a very good choice there. Uh, Andrew, before I go over to you for your MVP, I saw a tweet from Zach Pearson, and he says that the media is outside the locker room and they can hear the music blasting in hashtag club dub. Sounds like, and I quote, one hell of a party. So the Bears are celebrating, <laughs> much deserved after – all the time it's been since the last divisional crown. So, Andrew, with that said, I want to go over to you now. Who's going to be your MVP today? So, Cleo Mack, obviously, great choice. He would probably be 1A, 1B. I'd Roquan Smith. I mean, the guy going sideline to sideline, already had double-digit tackles. The interception that Eddie Jackson ended up was because Roquan was on Jimmy Graham in the end zone, got his hand in, batted the ball up in the air so that Jackson could pick. I mean, Week one, he played, I think it was eight snaps against Green Bay. And, you know, the difference that that defense is playing at now has a lot to do with that guy in the middle. And, you know, when he was drafted, you you knew Jimmy Graham was coming over. That's a huge threat in the middle of the field. You needed an athlete in the middle of the field. He showed exactly why he was drafted where he was. Just awesome game by the rookie. Absolutely. I like that you guys went defense because, like I said, both sides of the ball. So I should definitely counter this with an offense MVB. And even though he only had about a little over 50 total yards today, I'm going to go ahead and give it to Tariq Cohen because by himself, he helped the Bears put up 10 of their 24 points. You look at the punt return that he had late in this game that put the Bears um, in great position, already in the red zone. And I think that's actually the first, the only time in the red zone they actually didn't score a touchdown when they had to settle for that field goal after returning that ball to the 15. But of course, before then, he had the touchdown earlier in this game as well. So for me, Tariq Cohen, uh, yeah, he did um, end up stepping out of bounds a little short, forcing the Bears to settle for that field goal. But to get there, um, to have that return, to put him in that prime position, to put up points late in this game was crucial. Uh, so for me, Tariq Cohen's going to be one. And on top of that, I want to add Trubisky as well with his 20 of 28, 235 yards, two touchdown performance. You can't not help but just look at that and smile, especially after what we saw on Sunday night. For him to have, to play within the system, uh, to play within his offense, to spread the wealth a little bit today, playing very efficient football, that too is deserving of some recognition. And even though I didn't give him my MVB, uh, I'm going to give him my 1B as Andrew is kind of doing the 1As. So for me, 1B uh, would be a Mitchell Trubisky. All right, well, that's going to wrap up the first quarter of our postgame show. We have a bunch more to get to. Before we enter the second quarter and break down the Bears' offense as a performance, I need to call a quick timeout to tell you about our show sponsor, 
SeatGeek. Getting tickets online can be just far too complicated. With hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability, it's hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the place to go. SeatGeek puts millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats that you want for a price that you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. As you know, the Bear, oh geez, I almost said it. The Chicago Audible is, uh, we all use the SeatGeek app on our phones and our devices, and it's by far the easiest way that we've been able to shop for tickets. Uh, we can be anywhere, pull our phones, within a few taps, instantly find some seats for the event that we're looking to go to. I love how you can sort it by value because, like I mentioned, uh, you can find tickets that are the most worth it for the price that you're willing to pay. The and also within your budget. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. Make SeatGeek your go-to purchase for everything from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. And the best part of all is looking at SeatGeek earlier today. Um, if you want to go cheer on the Bears all the way in Santa Clara, super cheap ticket, super cheap. Only looking like 30, 20 bucks. If you're over in that, I know we travel well. Go root on the Bears over there. And, of course, uh, at the Vikings, do that as well. Uh, maybe a little bit more expensive. And, of course, coming up here soon, we're going to start putting out some tickets here for the playoffs. And I can't believe I can say that. That is officially confirmed. So if you're looking to go cheer on the Bears in their first playoff uh, appearance in almost a decade, uh, definitely check out SeatGeek for those tickets. And the best part of all, if you use the SeatGeek app and you're one of our listeners, you can get $10 off that first purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app. And enter the promo code BEARS today. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All righty, you're listening to the Chicago Audible. I'm your host, Will DeWitt. I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Brandon Hazlett and Andrew Ortman. The three of us are breaking down the Bears' 24-17 victory over the Green Bay Packers. And now it's time to dive into our discussion on the Bears' offense that was able to, you know, they didn't have their best game overall. There were a few times where they struggled once they reached midfield, especially in the first half of this game. But when it's all said and done, they did enough to win today. Brandon, I want to know, what are some of your opening thoughts about the Bears' offense? Uh, Trubisky really didn't try to do too much, especially early on, had those two touchdowns in the first two quarters. Uh, so I thought he did a, a very good job of keeping within himself, uh, doing what Matt Nagy said uh, when uh, I think Laura Oakman talked about uh, what Matt Nagy told uh, Trubisky before the game was just be you. That's something he's got on his play sheet. And, and he told them, you know, don't try and do too much. Uh, shake last week off. And it looked like it early on. It looked like he shook it off, just tried to stay within the offense, didn't do too much. Uh, but then the play calling got a little uh, suspect, I think, about mid-game. I don't know if things were kind of falling apart. Uh, Nagy kind of getting, getting aggressive with that fake punt, which we can hit on later on special teams. Uh, but overall, the offense just kind of did what they were supposed to do. They ran the ball more. They stayed committed to it. Uh, didn't quite have the yardage that was, uh, I think, going to be associated with it. But Jordan Howard still had 19 carries for 60 yards. Uh, so I thought they did a very good job of trying at least to get him established. It opened up lanes uh, later in the game as we've seen later on. So overall, just a very uh, consistent and balanced play calling, I thought. Yeah, uh, the consistency um, and, of course, like you said, the balance, I think, are two uh, you know, key elements of the offensive success today. But over to Andrew, I'm curious, uh, when you look at this whole game and you kind of reflect on it, uh, what are some of your bigger takeaways from the unit? Uh, they, they, they played smart. They played safe for the most part. Uh, I think you know the turnover on the Wildcat formation, which – you can debate if that was the right format or not, but I mean, Mitch re- rebounded really well. I touched on it earlier. You know, he, he played smart. Like Brandon said, he played within himself. Um, you know, he, he, they picked up a lot of plays when they needed to. Jordan Howard, just so underappreciated. You know, not, not the flashy numbers, but just grinding through the middle, getting yards, getting yards, getting yards when they need it. 
And that's, I mean, playoff time, cold weather, especially that first playoff game is going to be at home. It's going to be cold in January. I mean, it's going to be with that defense and that run game that don't, don't count these bears out. The, the off, I'd love to see, just love to see that growth from Trubisky. Uh, to, oh, oh, just overall, nothing flashy, just get the job done. Very, very workmanlike. Absolutely. Uh, for me, I want to kind of touch a little bit more about that red zone because like I mentioned. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Three of four. Um, that's the mark that you want to kind of strive for each and every week. If you're scoring touchdowns in 75% of your red zone trips, I mean, things, I mean, you're going to end up being on the right side of the final score, just like we were today. But Brandon, on the preview show, I was talking about uh, the Bears needing to find traditional ways to score once you reach the red zone, because over the previous few weeks before this game, it's been a lot of the trickery, the gadget plays, as they've been calling them. Um, and today uh, they found a way to do it traditionally. You had the Tariq Cohen uh, catch and run in the flat. You had Jordan Howard running it from nine yards out straight up the middle. And of course, uh, the longer pass, the 14 yarder to Trey Burton as well. So uh, were you as excited as I am to see the Bears find a way to use a true offensive attack to, uh, of course, execute and succeed once they reach the red zone? Yeah, because they did it with almost relative ease. Uh, the Jordan Howard run up the middle. I mean, he wasn't hardly touched going through that lane. Three Cone had to do a little tiptoe in there on the sideline, but he's able to work and grind uh, similar to what Jordan Howard uh, did, like Andrew was saying earlier, able to just really squeeze his way in there. And then the pass to Trey Burton, uh, again, just another traditional way of getting in there. It wasn't anything flashy. He was just he was just open. There was a soft spot in coverage. So it was nice to see those those different elements play out. And we didn't have to pull out uh, tricks out of the bag or something out of Willy Wonka's hat. You know, it was it was nice to see just, you know, a nice traditional touchdown. Absolutely. Exactly. And I'm glad they can do that uh, because I was starting to worry if they lost that capability in this offense. Now it's kind of coming back. So hopefully as we reach the final portion of this season and of course the postseason, uh, that sorts to continue. Because if you can do that, then you can sprinkle in those gadget plays and I'd be all for it. But when you have to 100% rely on them like they did the previous two weeks, that's when I get a little bit worried about exactly where this offense stands. But today they prove that they can still get into the end zone once they reach the red zone um, just by running uh, what they do best, either putting it on the ground or putting it to the air to their playmakers. All right, guys, let's go ahead and jump right into the player specifics. And we have to start with uh, number 10, Mitchell Trubisky. Like I mentioned today, uh, very efficient with the football, playing within the system. Andrew, I know you talked about him a little bit, but uh, compared to what we saw on Sunday night, uh, why were we able to see him kind of shake off the rust and get back to what we know he can do best? Uh, I, th- I think for the most part, it, it was a good game plan. Obviously, a few play, you know, specific calls here and there are questionable, but it was, you know, second time against the same opponent. I think helps. I think Nagy's going to continue to grow and get better and better and better as a play caller. I mean, he's still a rookie. We can't forget that. And I think the game plan was right. I think Mitch was—you could just tell he had confidence. His pocket presence is something that has been so. I think overlooked as to how good it, how much it's improved along the year. I mean, there were a couple of times I was already getting ready to, you know, yell something because I thought he was going to get sacked and he found a way to get out and either scramble or, you know, hit a guy on the run. He just, his, his maturity, his growth bouncing back. It seems like this year, each time he's played a poor game or had it, you know, a poor half of a game, he's rebounded. Well, 
which I think speaks a lot about a young quarterback. I think he's, I think this is really going to be a springboard into the rest of his career. Hopefully so. I mean, that'd be great here, of course, as Bears fans for this to be the moment. I mean, for him to take down Aaron Rodgers, again, the Bears lost like what? The last, why is it? Five of seven, 15 of 17. It's not good. Five it's not seven, pretty. I think. Yeah. Yeah. 15, 17. That might be true too, honestly. <laughs> it's been quite some time, but yes, five of seven for him to do this um, with the division on the line, it's great to see him kind of rise to the occasion here. Uh, you talked about his pocket presence, and that was on display quite a few times today. There was a third and 10 uh, when he had two straight incompletions to start that drive. Bam, bam. And I was like, oh, gee, here we go. Quick three and out. Give Aaron Rodgers the ball. This isn't going to bode well. Um, but then they brought in a blitz. He avoided the pressure. was able to scramble out and get a big gain for it. So for him to do that, and he did that quite a few times today when there was pressure, uh, collapsing the pocket for him to step back, find a way to evade it, and then pick up some yards or even uh, step out of the pocket and deliver a strike like the one he had to Adam Shaheen as well. Those are plays that we didn't really see on Sunday night. We saw him miss those throws. We saw him move out of the pocket, but then he overthrew. Some balls would sail. Today, his, his, his ball placement was on point, and that's a big reason why you're seeing the 20 of 28 because he gave his guys the chances uh, to go ahead and get those catches and, of course, making the right decisions with the football. What about you, B? How would you assess number 10 today? He started really well. Uh, I like that he was, I think, 6 of 8 uh, through most of the first quarter into the second quarter. The only two passes he missed were two passes down Robinson on the first drive, uh, both kind of leading him out of bounds and defender pushing him out on the third and 11 there. So I, it was nice to see him realize how important it is to get into a steady groove and be able to get uh, some first downs, get some confidence rolling in the whole offense, not just himself. So uh, the fact that he's able to to do that, I think, also shows the growth and maturity that Andrew was talking about when we started this. And also still his his pre-snap uh, recognition of things, uh, being able to change the the snap count uh, drawing guys off sides. We had a, a neutral zone infraction or two uh, that he drew uh, because he was able to throw a hard count in there, get some guys to jump. So it's it's just nice to see all these pre-snap things uh, equate to success down the field. And then he knows how important it is to start games too, which again uh, leads to the maturity thing that Andrew talked about. Were you surprised as I was that on the very first series, all three of his targets went to Allen Robinson? Obviously things changed afterwards, but I was like, I don't know if I want to stick to one guy throughout the majority of the game. I like that they thought they had an advantage early on, but also I was elated to see that they were able to make the adjustments and start spreading the wealth because obviously that kind of game plan, that kind of offensive attack had a much better and bigger impact on the game. Oh, it absolutely did. Uh, was I surprised? I guess not really because I had him as my MVB as the one that kind of get the, him out of the rust and, and things of that nature because he's a reliable receiver, and I think that's why he targeted him those couple times. Um was I worried that it was necessarily going to stay that way the whole game? Mm, yes and no. We've seen him do that before, uh, so I could definitely see where the worry comes from. Uh, I don't know. I guess I wasn't worried with him targeting him early. I kind of thought he'd get the ball more throughout the entirety of the game, but that's okay. Yeah, I mean, the, okay. I'm, I'm glad he spread it out. Let's just, exactly. Let's just go ahead and talk about these targets, too, because, again, Trubisky, he played within the system, and a lot of the offense production came from these guys in order, running their routes, making these catches, and plays after the catch. And that's what Allen Robinson did very well in this game was his ability to extend some of these shorter plays because uh, his two biggest plays of the day was a 30-yarder and an 18-yard catch, and both of them. One was a quick hitch, and another one was just a really quick curl inside. And both times he ducked to kind of make a man miss, and then he turned up field and was able to get it, you know, a pretty chunk of change out of it as well. So for me, uh, Allen Robinson's ability to take some of these shorter throws and really extend them uh, were really pivotal um, when he did so. And that's why, you're, uh, for me, uh, Allen Robinson was 
especially early in this game, someone who I was excited to see do that because we haven't seen that out of him so much this year. Usually when he's getting those bigger catches, it's down the field uh, in those 50-50 situations. Um, but for him to take these and uh, just turn around, make a man miss, that's going to make this offense very dangerous if you can find a way to do that consistently down the stretch. Because if you can you know, run five yards, turn around, present yourself to Trubisky, hauling the ball, and then turn that for a 30-yard gain, that's going to make that's very hard to defend. Uh, that's a, something I want to see more of out of not just Robinson, but the rest of this Bears offense as well. How about you, Andrew? Looking at the Bears targets, this can be uh, running backs, tight ends, wide receivers. Uh, who stuck out to you today and why? Uh, well, like you said, I like the you know the first series going to Robinson early. Uh, I I I was I was okay with that. I was a fan of that. You know, I think Mitch wanted to come rebound from his his poor performance last week. He trusts Robinson. He, you know, since training camp, those guys have had a connection. He wanted to get it to the guy he trusts. And the thing that I really liked is there weren't a lot of. I mean, yeah, I'm all for deep shots downfield, but I liked that he, Mitch was trying to get the ball into the hands of his playmakers, whether it was Burton or Robinson or Cohen. Or Shaheen, I mean, he was, you know, get the ball out and let them do the work as opposed to getting greedy. You know, Green Bay's got a couple of good young cornerbacks and he wasn't trying to, you know, get too greedy, take too much. He was taking what the defense was giving him, which I think was really good. And he he's done a really good job all year spreading the ball around. You know, they don't have, you know, Allen Robinson is, you know, I would say their best receiver, but they really don't have that one, you know, clear cut that's going to this guy, this down every time. I mean, he spreads it out. He, he has trust in everyone, and I think that's going to do him really well. Yeah, when you're throwing a Josh Bellamy down the field, you can tell that he does have trust <laughs> in those you know lower-tier guys. But credit for Josh, because that was a heck of a catch. Uh, that got the Bears to the 11 at that time. He lined up outside, ran a post. It was a little bit of a higher ball and a contested catch, but he had the strong hands to come down with it. I think he got a little bit of confidence from catching O'Donnell's punt uh, right before it on the, on the previous drive. So Bellamy had a great game. He did actually. I mean, in his standards, I mean, this is perhaps the peak of his career. Like that, this might be it. This might be the Josh <laughs> Bellamy game uh, when we look back and reflect on his glorious career here in Chicago. And hopefully, you're kind of understanding the, you know, the the tone that I'm expressing that in. But uh, Brandon, I want to go to you about the tight ends today because Adam Sheen and Trey Burton today combined for six catches, 75 yards. And we were talking in a pregame that we have not seen these tight ends really get all too involved as of late. Uh, Shaheen only in the red zone and Trey Burton has been kind of a missing man ever since a uh, big week seven game against the Patriots. Uh, Can you assess their day as well? Because they were, I thought a big part of the offense today. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime uh, that they can combine of six of nine uh, receptions, the targets, those two combined uh, for the 75 yards, like talked about in the Trey Burton touchdown, that's a pretty good day by a 10 end group. Uh, and Adam Shaheen was a guy, you know, I mean, we talked about Trey Burton being missing, but Adam Shaheen hasn't really hardly been used at all this year either. Uh, granted, he was injured to start uh, most of the year, but since he since he's returned, he hasn't really had a, an impactful game like this one where he had the two receptions for 39 yards. And uh, the one that really stands out to me is the one where Trubisky's scrambling and just kind of folds it up too many fights a few yards after he makes the reception uh, to, to get some yardage after the, after the catch, which was really nice to see. And then he had another one uh, similar to that later in the game. Uh, so just nice to see the big body presence get used uh, that we know Adam Sheen has. I'd like to see him get used in the red zone, uh, but that's a, probably a discussion for another day. Uh, but Trey Burton, again, is a guy that we know he can put up these kind of numbers, be that reliable security blanket. And I'm sure Nick would just, you know, be shooting off confetti cannons now that he's had four receptions on seven targets and you know, he had the 36 yards today. Uh, because that that's something that we've really been been waiting for. It, I mean, his yards aren't really blowing anybody away, but the fact that he was used in this offense, a lot of the quick slants on these uh, 
inside linebackers that really aren't the best in coverage. I uh, was able to win those uh, battles off the line of scrimmage, and that really is what gets him open. So it was nice to see uh, Trubisky finally be able to hit Trevor and hopefully get him going in stride uh, before playoff time here. Yeah, and with Shaheen too. Again, throughout his career, uh, especially this year too, he's more more of that red zone target. And I was excited to see him use more in the offense away from that area of the field. Uh, both of his catches they went for first down. So for him to be another big target that Trubisky can trust and rely on to move the sticks, uh, that's going to be crucial going down the stretch as well. And with Trey Burton, something that we should mention outside of his you know, touchdown grab, uh, his fingertip catch in, in, the, in the middle of the field, was the heck of a block that he had on Jordan Howard's touchdown run as well because he came across the formation. Um, he got Clay Matthews to the turf, and that opened up the hole. Like The floodgates just opened right up uh, for Jordan Howard to run that in from nine yards out. So Trey Burton, who's known to be uh, that smaller, that move tight end, not really a traditional blocking inline tight end, to get a stick on that on Clay Matthews as a Bears fan, of course, is uh, music to my ears. But to see that, of course, uh, Trey Burton needs some much-needed recognition for that block as well. Uh, Brandon, Andrew, uh, anyone else you want to talk about in terms of the Trubisky's targets and this offense before we move on to Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen as runners? I want to talk about Tariq Cohen as a receiver real quick. Uh, he's normally a pretty smart guy, and the only knock I have on him really throughout the entirety of the game was that play uh, late in the game after he returned that punt to the 15. Uh, Trubisky's rolling right and you know, just dumps it off through Cohen and he just kind of loses uh, sight of where he's at on the field. If he just reaches the ball over, he gets a first down or if he stops his feet, cuts up field, he could have potentially even had a touchdown. There was really only one guy between him and the end zone. And he uh, knew it as soon as he stepped out of bounds and looked around and looked at everyone around him. And he yelled uh, a very explicit word that I'm sure children would not enjoy hearing if there's any listening to the podcast. So I'll refrain from saying it. Uh, and I'm sure YouTube would appreciate me not saying it as well. So, uh, <laughs> Uh, he just the only boneheaded play that really I've seen from him really this year that I can think of outside of him, you know, as a receiver anyway, uh, running, he's made some questionable decisions, which we'll touch on here in a little bit. Didn't really have any today, but that was just the one criticism I have three cone as a receiver today. Normally pretty good, pretty solid knowing where he's at. Just that one play I thought was really weird where he just kind of forgot. Yeah. And I mean, he's been prone to just run straight to the sideline this season. Actually on Twitter, Adam Hogue calls it the, uh, I think the the sideline magnet that he, Tariq Cohen just seems to have, and he always gets zapped on over there, and it's true. Um, again, he's avoiding contact, and as a smaller back, the more times that you can limit those hits, uh, it's going to be beneficial to the long-term uh, longevity of, of course, his career as well. So I'm not you know, against it, but in those situations, he needs to maybe not think go out of bounds first and kind of look to see because he has so much space to work with. He could have not just picked up that first down, but also potentially found his way into the end zone. So for, like you said, that was the one knock on his day um, to do that. And again, he was my MVP choice, but that one play, um, luckily it didn't come back to bite us because I had in my notes like, oh, we had to settle for three. Um, is that going to be something that uh, changes the course of this game? And luckily it didn't, but it did have the potential to definitely do so. So something he does need to clean up moving forward. Um, Andrew, is there anything else that you want to mention from either the receivers, tight ends, anyone else? Uh, yeah, Brandon actually he stole the words out of my mouth. I was going to address that exact play, but that I mean that play, you know, we talk about th- you know three out of the four trips to the red zone ended in touchdowns. That was the only field goal, and that potentially outside of a brain camp, brain cramp, Marion Barber moment could have been another touchdown. So I mean, the, you know, the play call was there, and it was just, it, that play showed a lot of maturity by Trubisky. It didn't seem like much because it was just a little dump down for three or four yards, whatever it was. But he was looking in the end zone. There's nothing there. I think. 
maybe a few, a few weeks ago, Mitch is trying to force something in the end zone, may, you know, make a play. He didn't. Pocket started to collapse. He rolled out, found his check down guy. It would, could have gone for, should have been a first down, could have been a touchdown. It just, just that, that kind of growth from Trubisky, what we like seeing. And, and yeah, Cohen, I mean, I agree. I think it's the right thing to do for him to get out of bounds as much as he can, because the more hits he takes, not good for his body built like that, but he's, he's got, he's got, just got to have more awareness there and he'll know he'll learn from it. Exactly. Real quick update on Eddie Jackson, because I'm sure you guys want to know about it. Uh, Matt Nagy is calling it a right ankle sprain. Um, says the team will know more than the next 24 to 48 hours, but obviously uh, when he went down non-contact kind of awkwardly like that, I think we can live with an ankle sprain compared to uh, some of the other injuries. Now it depends if it's a high ankle sprain, those can linger. And if that lingers, that could be uh, detrimental to this bears defense. And again, I don't want to speculate too much until we know more about the injury. So we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the week once we find out, and we'll talk about the impact that that's going to have on this team. Let's go ahead and move on over to the Bears' rushing attack today. They had um, a combined 97 yards. The Trubisky pitching in with 16 of those. Uh, you can look at Mazel and Cunningham. One had one yard. One had negative one yard, so they kind of voided each other out. And then Tariq Cohen on five carries picked up 21. Jordan Howard, he had 19 carries. I think that's his second week in a row where he's been 19, so right under that 20-carry mark. He ended up with 60 yards, a 3.2 average. But Brandon, I believe that uh, Jordan Howard's impact today and how well he played um, was much better than the 3.2 yards per carry indicates. Is that true? Oh, absolutely. It felt like he had control uh, throughout the entirety of the game. Even though he wasn't picking up the, the big, long runs, his longest run of the day was nine yards. It's a touchdown run. Uh, but I mean, he, these three, four yard pickups are a lot bigger than I think some people are going to realize because that just shortens, uh, the sticks. If you're playing, you know, kind of, I guess, depends on what your mindset is depending, you know, game situation, whatever. Uh, but if you're at your first 10, he only picks up three yards at second and seven. So you're, you're at least moving forward. You're not going backwards. So, uh, those, even those little three to four yard pickups are extremely nice. And those wear down to defense after a while. He had 19 carries and it felt like even throughout the, the latter half of the game, uh, he was still running with, with relative ease. Yeah, he was. And the offensive line was a big part of this as well. I mean, they're helping him uh, generating some extra push, uh, helping even get him behind him, kind of corralling and uh, gaining some extra yards as well. But what Jordan Howard does well, and again, we say it all the time, uh, his patience, his vision, and his ability to uh, remain low through contact and kind of keep his feet churning. There's a few times where I thought he was going to stumble for like a two-yard gain, and he ended up keeping himself moving, and it went for like five or for six. And, you know, those are difference makers, those three to four yards difference between where he might have fell down in terms of where he actually ended up going down. Uh, those are uh, those could loo- uh, what, loom large, I guess is the phrase I'm trying to look for in my head, um, you know, one way or another. Uh, what about you, Andrew? How would you assess the Bears' uh, ground game today? I loved it. and it, I mean, just like he was saying, but Brandon was saying, the you know three, four yards that Howard picks up up the middle are just, they're huge for what this offense wants to do. And I think earlier in the year, I think they were maybe overusing Cohen in the run game and underutilizing Howard, and that's starting to balance out. Maybe that was the intent all along to keep your bruiser fresh for the end of the season. But and even a, you saw a couple of, at least two I can think of off the top of my head, a couple of RPOs where they you know, faked it to Howard, the both linebackers in the middle of the field started cheating toward the run and Trubisky hit a receiver on a slant. I mean, little things like that, that you have to respect when Howard's in the game. And it's been talked about, you know, what a great shotgun runner he is. And I think they're starting to utilize your fellow Hoosier the way that he's supposed to be. And I think it's going to be really good for the bears moving forward. 
Excellent. I think it's a perfect segue to move right on to the offensive line today. And Brandon, I know I'm going to get to you in a moment. Um, my one thing was early on in this game, we had three different penalties by three different offensive linemen. You had uh, Charles, uh, Charles, yeah, Charles Leno Jr. to fall yeah. start to start this game. Uh, James Daniels as well. Uh, he has the first fall start of his career, which again, for the Bears to have two fall starts at home is, I mean, I'm going to say inexcusable. We won. We're division champions. I'm not going to gripe on it. I'm not going to micromanage um, exactly how it went out. But hey, still, you're at home. Find a way not to get um, make sure to do that in the future, especially when we host a playoff game uh, coming here in January. And, of course, uh, Cody White here had a holding as well. But we were able to pick up uh, a first down after that holding penalty due to a great play by Allen Robinson, one that I already referenced earlier. So um, even though the Bears had these penalties, they did find a way to overcome them, which I guess is the silver lining here. But outside of those, Brandon, uh, what kind of day did the offensive line have today? Overall, very good. They only allowed the one sack, which even could be put on Trubisky, not even the offensive line. Uh, just him trying to do too much, dance around in the pocket. Uh, I thought Brian Witzman, I said, uh, you know, he was going to be my X Factor on offense uh, for a reason. He was going to help establish the run game in the Tariq Cohen run. Uh, his biggest run of the day was set up by Brian Witzman having the right position to seal an edge. Uh, so Cohen hits the hole between Brian Witzman and uh, Bobby Massey and takes off. Uh, so Brian Witzman. I thought had a very good day. The pressure did not hardly come from his side at all, which was, I think, imperative to the run game as well as the passing game. Trubisky was upright for the most part, uh, and that's that's incredibly important. And I thought uh, to start the game with that Charles Leno false start, I was kind of hoping that that wasn't going to be a bad omen uh, because it's not very good when you're starting on a false start. So uh, outside of the penalties, I mean, those are things that can be shored up in one week of practice, uh, and it really just comes down to knowing what the snap count is. And Trubisky's got to make sure that that gets communicated, and that could have been part of the issue. So uh, it'll get sorted out here this week. I'm not overly worried about it. It doesn't happen all that often. So overall, very good performance by the offensive line. Right. Again, it was early on in this game, and maybe it tells us one thing. Maybe it just tells us how excited um, the Bears were for this game, knowing everything that was at stake. Because, again, um, you're at home. They should know the snap count. These are just mental mistakes, a little bit of a lack of an awareness, or just getting a little bit too fidgety with a little bit of excitement, a little bit of extra energy, a little bit of anxiety, if you will. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not worried about it, but still, when you're at home, you're like, why? And then, of course, I, I swear I saw the Packers uh, have a couple false starts that weren't called. But, again, we don't complain about the officiating too much on this show because if we do, that would be the entire show. So we try not to do it all too much. But, all right, and real quickly, too, we talked about three Cohen's run. We didn't talk about that. That was a great one. 22 yards he picked up, very similar to exactly what he did because um, that was right before the half was expiring, uh, second and one. I think everyone thought the Bears were going to pass in that down, so for Nagy to call that change up, and that is the exact play that worked on Sunday night against the Rams. For him to go back to it, um, that worked out. Um, I'm glad, too, but then you mentioned 22 yards in that pickup, and I was like, wait a minute, his stat line was five carries for 21 yards. So that means the remaining four carries went for a grand total of uh, negative one, which, eh. But again, yeah. it, it doesn't matter. It's the end of, you know, we won, we're divisional champions. Life is good as a Bears fan. Andrew, I also want to throw out, too, real quick, uh, while we're going back to running backs. I was not a fan of that Taquan Mazzal run before the fake punt, which also ended up failing. Uh, just poor execution by the offensive line on that one. One of the few blunders that they had, uh, Mazzell just not being patient enough to read, uh, some of the, the blocks he was out in front of his guys trying to get to the edge. So overall, I thought that was just a very poor stretch of, of coaching and execution, uh, by coaches and players. So that was just something else that I, not going to harp on the criticisms because we're champs, but yeah, something else that needs to be shored up. Well, anytime you put Mizell on the field, I'm I'm still scratching my head why you want right. him out there over Cohen, over Howard, because, I mean, how they're utilized and how their uh, snaps are split up, none of them should be really all too gassed. So, 
I don't know. I mean, we talk about that every week, so there's really no reason to kind of beat the dead horse here. But, Andrew, I want to go over to you for any final thoughts about the Bears' offense. Is there anything that you want to see them build on or anything that you want to see them kind of uh, change moving into next week? I don't think there's much to change, so maybe something to build on. No, just, you know, mostly on Nagy. Just clean up some of the play calling, like, you know, third and one running a sweep to Mizell instead of just giving it to Howard. Or if you're going to go to the outside, give it to Cohen. Or, you know, third and one in the wildcat formation just let let mitch stand in the shotgun give it to howard if you're going to run it just trying to overthink things at times uh back to the o-line uh you know for daniels to have one false start in 15 games for a rookie i'll take that you know uh, that's pretty good and yeah witzman i didn't notice him today which was a good thing that might be the Mm -hmm. best thing i can say about him so I i think he's getting better Nagy obviously trust him coming over from kansas city but yeah, I think it's a really good game for the offense to build on, and ho- hopefully we got a chance to lock up the three seed next week. I believe. Yeah, yeah, we'll keep that up. That's that. I mean, that's the next thing to kind of pay attention to as well, because that's the seed that we uh, that would give us a really strong chance of kind of marching our way through uh, the kind of the tournament bracket um, here in January. So that's the next thing to pay attention to. But all right, we're officially at the midway point of our show. And up next, we're going to enter the third quarter, break down the Bears defense today. But first, I just want to remind you, if you haven't yet, uh, to subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's the best way to keep up with our content all year long. Now, I'm not already looking ahead of the offseason. I'm just letting you know. Uh, that way, if you subscribe, you get a notification each and every time that we go live or even upload a new episode. Plus, it's the place to get in on our live chat. It's a really fun, small community. Well, not small. It's actually growing. It's pretty large, uh, especially during post-game shows, uh, just to kind of talk some Bears football with your fellow fans. So I think we're nearing about 5,000 subscribers. So if you can help us out, help us reach that goal, uh, that would be greatly appreciated. But with that, we're going to go ahead and just switch right in, go right into the third quarter of our show, talk about the Bears defense that held Aaron Rodgers and the Packers under 20 points, only 17 on the day, uh, with, again, uh, what three of them coming here later in the game as well. So uh, for the most part, the Bears found a way to shut down the Packers on offense. And Brandon, I got to go over to you first. Why were they able to do that? Why they're able to shut down Aaron Rodgers? Just a lot of a lot of the pressure. They gave up nine sacks in the last three weeks coming into this one, and they had five sacks today. Uh, two and a half from Cleo Mack, who is my MVB. Uh, half from Blau Nichols. Uh, Leonard Floyd had a couple, which was really nice to see him step up as well. So really, just an all-around community effort. Roy Robertson Harris was late on a couple getting in there, so he's getting through the lines pretty easily. And it kind of helped that the the Packers' offensive line was sort of sort of banged up in this one. Uh, but regardless, uh, the the more chances they can get pressure on Aaron Rodgers uh, really helps because it doesn't allow him to just sit in the pocket and fire these deep passes downfield. It forces him to do these little dink and dunk things, uh, which is what ended up beating us uh, back in week one. But they were able to adjust in this one. They were able to expect it a little bit more. They adjusted very well. They shut down the run. Uh, overall, just a very well-rounded performance by this defense in all facets. Good stuff. They be over to Andrew here. When you looked at this game, and again, we had a lot of concerns coming in because it's the Packers, and um, as fans, we all know just you know how often Aaron Rodgers just seems to have our number. And again, Brandon mentioned a good point with the pressures, but I think a lot has to go too with the credit um, with probably the coverage as well, because there were a few times where they gave up some easy catches. Uh, there were a few throws that were missed over the top that he did have some open receivers as well. Um, but for the majority of this game, Rodgers didn't have much really to go to. Uh, So I think credit to the coverage, but what about you? What are some of the things that when you look at this game, that are some of your bigger takeaways from the bears on defense? I I think they're, they've, 
they've, they've kind of reached their ceiling. I mean, we knew, you know, week one, like I said, without, you know, Khalil Mack hadn't had a training camp. He was, he was limited on a lot of snaps. Roquan played eight, you know, then there's the, you know, letdown in Miami. I think it's kind of been a growing process. I think they are firing on all cylinders right now. I think they finally, everyone's playing. Fangio's got to figure it out. He's calling the right plays. The players are executing. It's just, it's a well-oiled machine right now. Pass rush is just, I mean, that's the way to beat Rodgers. And that's, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is Hall of Famer, one of the, if not the greatest of all time. And the Bears made him look human today. I mean, he was missing throws. He was under pressure. He, you know, I mean, some of the throws he made are still ridiculous. And he just got, you know, that's going to happen when you play him. You move on. And they didn't get, there were no letdowns. You know, you could argue after the fake punt, they kind of took a series off. But, you know, again, that mo- momentum does exist. And that that's a, you, you let that go seven points. They still just, they would give up a big play, then they would stand up and, you know, move them backwards again. It's just, they're, they're firing on all cylinders right now. They're going to be tough to beat. You're right. Momentum does exist. It is a universal law. Momentum is a real thing. We, you know, you see it each and every Sunday, especially with these Bears. It does seem like uh, the tilt always goes one way or another, no matter which game it's going to be. But, Brandon, you talked about the pressure. You talked about the sacks. I'm going to take that a step further, and I think it's really the timing of these sacks as well because um, I know in the first half, both of the Bears sacks, their first two of the game, came on third down, gave uh, one of them, knocked them out of uh, field goal range. actually had a first and 10 at the Bears 39, and they ended up punting uh, two quick incompletions and then, of course, a sack to take them out of field goal range. Uh, So for me, it goes to the timing of these sacks because you saw it on the Leonard Floyd one as well. It's just when they decided to rise to the occasion, get after Aaron Rodgers, um, those, were, those were opportune times to do so. Because if you do it in the earlier downs, which again, I'm not going to complain no matter which down uh, the Bears can take down uh, Aaron Rodgers. But if you do it in the earlier downs, you give 12 a few more opportunities to kind of recoup, recover. But if you do it on third down, there's really nothing he can do. You put the ball out of his hands and of course you force the Packers to punt. I'm also one of my other big takeaways was the Bears efficiency, just like the offense, the defense did a hell of a job in the red zone as well, because uh, each team made the uh, four trips in the red zone. The Bears, like I mentioned, scored touchdowns on three of them. The Packers only won. So even though the Bears did allow the Packers to march down the field uh, almost a handful of times a day and reach the red zone, they held tough, forced them to field goal situations. um, And that was a big reason why the Bears were able to win this game, because usually in the past, when Aaron Rodgers gets inside the 20 against us, he finds a way to beat us. He finds a way to get into the end zone. And if they would have scored touchdowns on all four of those trips, you're looking at 28 points there. And that's minimum compared to the other series as well. So the Bears defense, the ability to shut down, to tighten up inside of the red zone to me was a very uh, you know strong reason why they ended up winning this game today. Brandon, any other general observations about the Bears defense or do you want to jump right into the positions? Um, I guess I could talk about more in the in the specifics with Prince Mukamara, but uh, I thought it was interesting that Aaron Rodgers hardly targeted Kyle Fuller's side. It was finally a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Temper Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. All on Prince uh, for the most part. And some of the throws that he was throwing at Devontae Adams uh, are just 
guys that have known each other and worked with each other for a long time. And that's pretty much what that connection was. Cause Prince seemed like he was on Adams more times than not on some of these tougher completions. And it's just so frustrating to watch, but I wonder what he's seen or if he just didn't want to pick on Kyle Fuller uh, in this matchup, uh, what he's seen with, with Prince, what advantages he could have taken there. So I, that's something I guess to look forward to uh, throughout the rest of the season and the playoffs is what's the reason that they go to Prince a little bit more. And that could just be because Kyle Fuller is too damn good. It might be. I mean, he's having a hell of a season. <laughs> he is. And I mean, he came into this game with what? Interceptions in three straight games? Uh, so, yeah. yeah, even though in the past he picked on him, uh, I, I'm glad that he did it. There were a few times where Fuller got beaten some weird rub pick routes earlier in this game. But overall, I mean, nothing too much, not too much success to Aaron Rodgers' right today because of that, because of Kyle Fuller on that side, locking it down, which, if you guys remember on the preview shows, exactly what I hoped for. I did say that he was going to end up having um, an interception, but uh, that didn't happen. But I did say he was going to lock down that side of the field. And I'm glad to see that kind of coming to fruition. But let's go ahead and just jump right into the positional specifics here because I'm excited to kind of break down these players more individually today. And let's go ahead and begin with the defensive line. And Brandon, you are Mr. Treacherous. I am going to hand it right back to you here. Defensive line, what are some of your takeaways from these players? Overall, it was kind of quiet, but they did a very good job of shutting down the run for the most part. There were a couple draw plays uh, where Williams was able to explode through some of the holes, but overall, these guys were able to do their job and let the linebackers come in uh, and make the tackle for a loss or stop him for a really short gain. Uh, Eddie Goldman, again, just a guy that does not get enough appreciation for what he does. There were a couple times, he doesn't even show up in the stat sheet here today, uh, but there's a couple times where uh, he's able to get around his guys. He would put pressure on Aaron Rodgers as well. So, I mean, Eddie Goldman is seriously doing everything possible uh, as a nose tackle, and he's doing it all extremely, extremely well. So he needs to continue to get the love from us, from the fans, from the organization. He's doing a terrific job this season. Uh, and Akeem Hicks, again, uh, as well as he does week in and week out, he had three tackles uh, today in this one. Didn't hardly get much uh, – didn't hardly get any – well, he didn't get any QB hits, didn't get any sacks in this one, but he was another guy who was also consistently – uh, just getting pressure on Aaron Rodgers and just consistently beating his guy into the backfield. And he only has three tackles to show for it. But, I mean, overall, they locked down the run this offense or this defensive line did. Ray Robertson-Harris, again, had a couple bigger plays uh, that don't show up in the stat sheet. Again, he's not even here, uh, but just did a lot of the right things to be able to allow the linebackers to go in and stop the run. Uh, was, he was also able to get some pressure. He was late on some of the pressures. Uh, so he's in there beating his guys as well. Uh, but just a lot of these defensive linemen are setting the linebackers up for success, which is really what their job is, and they're doing a phenomenal job of it. Right. We've been talking about that all the way since, I believe, June, that with our linebackers, especially uh, Trevathan or Oquan Smith, if you can have those bigger bodies to eat up the space and take up those uh, offensive line bodies to occupy it, good things are going to happen. And like you mentioned, they're setting up the linebackers for success, which, of course, is exactly what we want inside of Vic Fangio's system. Now, we talked about Akeem Hicks. He said he had a quieter day, but two of his tackles came in the very first series of this game, and that's when Aaron Jones is in the game, and they're trying to really establish a run. Now, they did abandon it for a little bit afterwards, but I do believe that today's game really didn't go towards you know Hicks's favor in terms of going after Rodgers, getting all these sacks, because, uh, I mean, he was double-teamed more than that. Uh, Rodgers likes to dance around the pocket, and Hicks is more of that straightforward rusher. Doesn't have the speed to kind of keep up with Aaron Rodgers once he's like, getting out of the pocket, moving either to his left or to his right. And then you mentioned Eddie Goldman. Uh, you talked about not on the stat sheet, but don't let that 
uh, fool you because his impact was huge today. There's a couple plays today where it had me kind of like blown away just how fast he can get in the backfield for a nose tackle. That, uh, I mean, he blows up plays instantly once he does. That I mean that forced Rodgers out instantly, made him get off his mark, tried to make him uh, you know improvise, which he's had success in the past. Um, but today that was a very uh, Goldman's ability to do that uh, consistently was 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 pretty big. What about you, Andrew? Any defensive lineman that you want to kind of talk about? Uh, well, one one thing I think maybe the most underrated play of the game by Hicks was when he batted up that screen pass in the air. Oh, I mean, how, how many times have we seen Rodgers, you know, throw throw up a screen and then it ends up going for 50, 60 yards? I mean, it seems like the Packers year in, year out are just a screen team. They kill their opponents with screens. And for Hicks to be, you know, full on rushing, have the recognition to read screen and then get his hands up. And I mean, that I, I, I can't remember. You know what was behind that play, but I mean that potentially could have saved a big play, and you know things like that again that don't necessarily show up in tackles or sacks or pressures. Just you know, huge play in the game right there. Yeah, no, that's a very good call. Thank you for bringing that up because that was, like you said, we've been beaten the pass by it. So for him to do that, take away on that throwing lane was was very crucial as well. All right, guys, I want to move right into the linebackers today because, Brandon, you said it. They had a lot of success today. Uh, let's go ahead and start with the outside guys. Um, Cleo Mack, Leonard Floyd as well. They all came to play today. Aaron Lynch, too, had a, a couple strong plays before he exited with an elbow injury. I haven't seen any updates on him yet. Uh, I'm assuming that the media was a little bit more concerned with Eddie Jackson. I understand that. Uh, hopefully we get an update on Lynch as well. He has a very valuable rotational piece at the position as well. But looking at the outside linebackers, B, uh, what did you see today? Why were they so damn successful? It was really cool, uh, and Nick brought it up in the previous show. We've seen uh, Leonard Floyd and Cleo Mack line up on the same side, and I've seen it a couple times in this one as well. They didn't quite get to the quarterback on either time that I've seen it, uh, but that's something that, that's really interesting as far as a scheme-wise. Who do you block in that situation? Uh, and then there's also, uh, it was Cleo Mack's first sack uh, of the game. He comes in, they either had to pick him or Roquan Smith, uh, the tight end did, of all guys to match up against both these guys to try and block him. And they didn't stay a chance on either of them because both of them blew right past the tight end and he was just kind of lost. Uh, so just really great scheming by Vic Fangio to get these guys into positions to succeed and get these sacks. Uh, we, you know, Cleo Mack had two and a half. Floyd had two. We've seen some Isaiah Irving as well. And I thought uh, he had some some decent pressures as well. He did have a quarterback hit. And I thought there were one or two times where he might have got held. Then that kind of prevented him from getting Darren Rodgers. But, but regardless, uh, that's another depth piece. He's still young, still developing. Uh, but if he can continue to to show some improvement like that where offensive linemen have to semi-hold him uh, and they're not getting called, that's a sign that he's taking steps in the right direction as well. Yeah, I mean, when Khalil Mack gets to Rodgers three times for that two-and-a-half sacks, I mean, you know it's going to be a good day on defense. Um, The one that everyone's talking about, of course, is the one when he was on Spriggs, and he kind of walked him back, turned around, and was able to take Rodgers uh, down without even looking at him, just pretty much with his back, just all that pressure just barreling down on 12. So that was uh, that was a fun play, but... For me, when I'm looking at Khalil Mack, my one of my favorite plays wasn't a sack. He didn't even have a tackle on the play. Um, Aaron Rodgers dropped back. There's some pressure. Mack was on the left-hand side of the formation. And then Rodgers rolls to his uh, his left, which would be Mack's right, all the way to the sideline. And Mack's kind of like spying and mirroring him all the way across the formation, all the way across the field, taking away his throwing lanes each and every you know inch of the field, forced Rodgers to the very last cusp of on the sideline, and he had to fire it out there as an incomplete pass. But those are plays that we've seen you know, we've been torched on in the past. So for Mac to mirror him, to spy him, uh, to limit both, of course, a scramble for a pickup and, of course, a big throw downfield to take away those throwing lanes, uh, for me, was a very underrated play that you're going to see from 52. 
Andrew, I want to go over to you. Leonard Floyd, I think he needs some much-needed recognition here because, again, he's not high on the stat sheet here today. Oh, actually, he is. He's second of the six tackles. I was like, <laughs> where is he? Oh, wait, he was up there. But uh, two sacks, two tackles for a loss. Leonard Floyd, he's really starting to gear up here at a perfect time, but how would you assess his day overall? A re- really good day. I mean, arguably his best game of the, of the season. I mean, he... Again, one of those guys, you know, started the year in a cast on his hand. It's really hard to be a pass rusher with one hand. And, you know, he, so he didn't get the full practice time. He didn't get the game. He's starting to, starting to get caught up to speed now. And that's just really dangerous on the opposite side of Mac. Uh, He, and again, like we talked about, the defense shows up when they, when we need them to show up, you know, that sack at the end of the game. And he kind of pointed to his wrist, like, you know, Green Bay, your time's up. It's our time now. I I thought that that was awesome. I mean, Khalil Mack had two sacks. His butt had a half a sack, which is just incredible. <laughs> I mean, th- th- those guys are just as good as it gets. Yeah. I mean, there's really no other better way to put it. They're a very good tandem, and I'm loving to see how they're kind of complementing one another um, now here in two games. It's not, I think even three games straight if you want to go back to the Giants game as well. Brandon, let's go ahead and bounce inside. Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith. Roquan uh, finished today with uh, 10 total tackles today. That gives him 112 on the season. Um, he's by himself now. He's second all-time uh, with total tackles by a Bears rookie. Brian Urlacher does, does hold this record with 124. So Roquan just needs six sacks per game over his last two to, uh, to at least tie that record. A little bit more, of course, to break it. I think he's going to get there, don't you think? Uh, he could get there with sacks or he can get there with tackles, yeah. Why Did I say sacks? You said sacks, but that's okay. I knew what you meant. But oh, You sorry. said to start calling you out on that stuff, so I had to, you need to, had to take a jab there. Yeah, so anyway, yes. 124 tackles, and he's only 12 away, um, so only six tackles per game. And, hey, sacks do count as tackles as well, Brandon. <laughs> but getting back to what we're here to do, let's break down this game. Let's break down Roquan Smith. How is he so effective today? Because he was all over the field, sideline to sideline, blitzing, getting into the backfield in a hurry. Uh, the first one, of course, set up Cleo Mack's sack. So Roquan Smith, uh, take it away. I mean, you just kind of answered your own question there. He just flies all over the field, and that's really why he's so effective. It doesn't matter uh, what really gets thrown out there. Uh, he just sticks on either the tight end or the running back, whoever his assignment is. And he's just going to cover the whole field, even if it's not being thrown to his guy. He's just typically around the ball wherever the ball seems to land. So that is what really makes him a really good linebacker. That's why he's able to get to double-digit sacks, week, double-digit tackles week in and week out. If he had double-digit sacks week in, week out, that would be pretty cool. Um, but I, he's just he's so quick and instinctive, and that's really what plays in his favor, just a big uh, athletic guy. Uh, you can't teach that kind of stuff. That's just how he's built. That's how he is. So uh, the Bears drafted him. Uh, at the right time, uh, he's just been a huge impact uh, throughout this year, and I I just can't speak enough for what he's done. He's just such an impact player that doesn't hardly even get talked about. Yeah, I mean, for a top ten pick, you think he get a little bit more of a buzz around him, but he's kind of flying under the radar, which is fine by me. I mean, this defense has a lot of names, a lot of faces, a lot of playmakers, and it's really hard. Uh, to kind of keep up. And I mean, of course we do. I think we do a good job, but I, Roquan Smith, uh, someone who continues to fly under at least the national radar a little bit, but someone who is continuing to, uh, you know, progress, get better um, each and every week. Earlier in the year, we had a lot of issues with him missing tackles. I haven't been able to say that for about a month now. Uh, so he's really kind of uh, taken his game, refined it. And he's really starting to become a pro level linebacker. And again, 12 tackles away from tying Brian Urlacher's, uh, tackles for a Bears rookie of all time. So just let that put it into perspective. 
I want to move over to the secondary here. And Andrew, I want to go to you first. Uh, I think for the majority, uh, you know, Kyle Fuller, Prince Mukamara, uh, even Sheriff McManus, Adrian Amos, and Andy Jackson, all five of those players, I thought had a really strong game overall. Uh, which one uh, stuck out to you the most and why? Um, Prince Mukamara, like Brandon said, he, he was targeted. You know, Rogers thought he saw something there. He's thrown to his side and he, you know, he, he just did, didn't back down. I mean, the dude's been just rock solid playing over there on the other side of Fuller and, you know, he's breaking up passes. He's, he's making tackles. He, I think of one, one play where, you know, Green Bay was trying to, you know, starting to move, they were losing and, you know, he made just a tremendous open field tackle, keeping the guy in bounds, keeping the clock running. I mean, he doesn't get enough credit. It seems like there's too much credit to go around. All these defenders are underrated, it seems like. Uh, Sherrick McManus made a heck of a play early in the first half, I think it was, when it, it, you know Rodgers was throwing to the end zone. It yeah, seemed the one like Randall it, Cobb, yeah, right down the middle. Right, mm-hmm. right. And, you know, Sherrick kind of in midair kind of adjusted his body, got his hands on the ball. I mean, that's – I thought going into the game that Rodgers was going to target McManus a lot. He didn't as much as I did, and I – I think that speaks to the coverage that he was playing. I mean, you know, it's just invaluable to have a depth guy who gives you special teams value, can play your slot corner. Uh, he, I think he had a really good game. Yeah, in the very first drive, the very first set of downs, uh, Cobb beat him in the slot for a slant. Easy catch, easy pitching catch. And I was like, oh, no, this is going to be a long day if we're not going to be able to adjust and take that away. If Chip McManus is going to be beaten in coverage, and Rogers figures that out, we can be in for a long day defensively. But like you said, um, after that, he really started to uh, pick things up, get it together. Uh, you talked about that pass breakup in the end zone. That forced them um, to go ahead and settle for a field goal once they reached a red zone. That's one of those opportunities I was talking about. Um, even late in the game, he had another pass breakup in the end zone as well to take it, some points off the board. And on top of that, right before the two-minute warning, I hit a very good open field tackle on Williams in the flat inbounds to keep the clock rolling as well. So all those plays, uh, Sherrick McManus, who has always been that special teams, a stepping up here um, in place of a Bryce Callahan, someone who we were kind of weary of the potential impact of the loss uh, today proved that he could fulfill, uh, fill in these shoes quite well. Brandon, I want to go over to you for these safeties, but first I just want to give you an update that I might change my monster moment because Charles okay. Leno jr. Proposed to his girlfriend after the game. And she said, yes. Nice. Right? I mean, that's Charles. I agree. I mean, what a day. You win the division. You get engaged. Life is good. And who would have thought after the very first play, he had the false start? (laughs) I mean, that's why he was nervous. (laughs) Maybe he's like, I'm proposing if we win. Oh, shoot. And then he he jumped off sides. But no. That that explains it now. He had some pregame jitters because he knew that was on the line. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, that's huge. Big man's going to be celebrating tonight. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. But getting back uh, to the order of things here, uh, the safeties, both Adrian Amos and Eddie Jackson. Of course, Eddie, I uh, had the two passes defense. He had the interception. Again, he's playing out of his mind this season. But Brandon, how do you assess both of our safeties today? Both of them played very well. Uh, you mentioned your original monster moment was the Eddie Jackson, inter- Eddie Jackson interception. He had the two batted passes. Uh, six tackles on the day. So he, he had a very sound day. I wish he would just learn how to slide. He and Mitch may have to take sliding lessons or something because I think that's ultimately what hurt his ankle. He just looked so indecisive on what he wanted to do, so he just kind of crumbled and twisted his ankle weird. So he's going to have to either learn how to slide with uh, Trubisky, who's done a better job, uh, but he's going to have to get the same teacher that True had 
but another guy that we talked about being underrated on this defense uh, with Eddie Jackson just playing so well, Adrian Amos is a guy who really, really flies under the radar as well. Something that I know I, I love the guy since we drafted him, uh, and I haven't had the hard much time to talk about him because he's not making those game-changing, flashy plays. Uh, but here he is in this one having five tackles. Uh, the one that really stands out to me is uh, tight end Kendricks uh, catches the ball out in the flat, and Amos is right there to pound him, just tackles him right there, and it doesn't get any yards after the catch. It's just he is he's right there making the sound fundamental play. Uh, and that's exactly what we need uh, from a guy who's he's not really the center fielder. He's more of a, a downfield run supporter, uh, going to be able to stop those guys in the in the flats like we've seen with Kendricks there in this one as, uh, as well in the first half. So uh, really just a big shout-out to him for being able to, to wrap up better. Uh, the Miami game was a, a big um, mental lapse for him and a lot of the guys as far as open field tackling goes. But since that one, can't really think of a whole lot of other uh, issues that he's had in the open field as far as tackling goes. So big shout out to Adrian Amos as well. Also playing uh, extremely, extremely well at safety, just filling his role and doing what's asked of him. So you're not going to count against that Saquon Barkley hurdle over his head against him? That was the only one that I could think of outside of the Miami game. Yeah. And just an update too. I did just check some of the final scores around the league and the Cowboys did lose a 23 to zero against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, so the bears are cruising towards that three seed that we we're talking about here earlier. So uh, that's huge. I have a hard time keeping up with other scores during the game. Like I don't even look at the ticker. Like I am pro- like high keyed into the actual game. I have no idea what's going on at the bottom of the screen. I check, uh, I check in kind of like after some of these post game shows, just, um, Fun fact, you want to know how I go through my routine throughout the day. Uh, very micro-focused on the game. But, guys, uh, final thoughts on defense for me. Again, it all goes down to how well they executed once the Packers found a way into the red zone. I tweeted out a couple times, I will accept the Packers settling for field goals all day long. And, you know, a couple of those times, I mean, it came uh, – pretty much crucial because it's only a seven point game. So for me, uh, the bears ability to uh, limit the overall success of that offense, we always know what Aaron Rodgers brings to the table. Uh, there's uh, various ways in which they're able to limit him. And of course, even on the drives in which they were able to uh, bend a little bit, they didn't fully break only one time. They gave up a touchdown once they reached the red zone. So for me, uh, that's going to be my final thoughts on the defense. Still uh, just a unit that plays very well week in week out. We know what to expect from them today. And then again, it wasn't like uh, overly impressive like it was against the Rams with that six points. But still, they did what they needed to do today to stop the Packers, and that's all that matters. What about you, B? Any final thoughts? We talked about momentum, I think, at the start of the defense or earlier in the show. At one point during here, we talked about momentum and how it's an actual thing. And the more times than not throughout the entirety of the year, the Bears defense seems to be able to seize those moments. Uh, where the game's kind of in the balance. And the only time where I've seen that they lost it in this one was after the fake punt. Uh, they kind of let Green Bay kind of walk downfield, get that touchdown, get the two-point conversion. Uh, but outside of that, I, I, there's not really any other blunders that I have as far as losing momentum that the Bears couldn't step up and seize the moment. When they needed a play, this defense is able to make the play. And that was just uh, highlighted again here in this one, coming up with all the timely sacks, uh, not allowing Rodgers to complete some of these passes, uh, having him off balance, missing some of these deep throws that Will mentioned earlier. Uh, so they're just they're firing on all cylinders. So it's uh it's great to see, and especially against the rival to clinch the division. Very well done. Indeed, very well said. What about you, Andrew? Anything else on defense that we haven't hit on that you want to make sure we kind of get out there, or any any way to kind of wrap this, put a bow on it? It's Christmas. I can say that. Put a bow on it. <laughs> big time players make big time plays, and this defense is loaded with big time players, and they make huge plays when they need it most and they're just fun to watch it's just 
you know, I, I, the narrative has been played out. Chicago loves their defense, blah, 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 defense first. It, it just couldn't be more true this year. I mean, the guys on that side of the ball are just flying to the football, making plays. It, it's just fun to watch as a fan. Mm-hmm. It is, and it is, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch here down the stretch and, of course, in the playoffs. Sorry, I'm just going to sneak that in each and every time I can because, again, we've been doing this podcast for almost a little over three years now, and uh, I haven't been able to say that, so I'm excited to uh, just kind of throw it out there, sprinkle it. Uh, wherever I seem fit. Uh, but going on, let's just jump right into our fourth quarter. Um, and we have to begin with our discussion on special teams. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about the Bears punting game. I'll start with the positive, and then we'll talk about that fake punt call and if we agree with it or not. Uh, the positive is, over the last couple of weeks, I've noticed that the Bears are doing a really good job of pinning opponents deep in their own territory with some great uh, work from uh, Josh Bellamy and the other Gunners. And of course, Patrick Badano for putting uh, the ball with great hang time, great ball placement, uh, not over punting it deep into the end zone. Like we've seen in years past from him, he's really kind of found a very, you know, kind of like a lob kind of punt and it's working really well. The bears are pinning opponents deep, giving them long, large fields to work with. And of course, giving that bears defense an opportunity to come away with points. Like we saw against the Rams with that sack safety. Uh, so for me, I just want to kind of give them some kudos here uh, for doing that because bears special teams has been something that, you know, even this year has been kind of questionable at times. And there's a questionable moment we're going to get to here in just a second. Uh, but for them to go ahead and find a way to start flipping the field position in this way consistently, uh, that's that's huge. I mean, that's the third phase stepping up, doing their job, helping out the defense, even if the offense wasn't able to kind of finish the job after reaching the other side of midfield. Now, guys, I do want to talk about it. Uh, the fake punt, obviously that failed. I personally did not like the call because, uh, again, the Bears were doing a good job of pinning Green Bay deep. I would have rather seen that give Aaron Rodgers a larger, a larger field. It was an eight-point game at the time. Uh, so if they were going to go for it, I would rather have my playmakers like a Cohen, a Jordan Howard out there to try to gain uh, some of these shorter yards. But what about you, Brandon? Were you okay with the call? I mean, I know we are talking about it after the fact, um, but regardless, I need to know your opinion here because I didn't like it. At the time, I didn't even like it. I mean, it was it was just kind of weird on the wrong side of the 50. Uh, O'Donnell's had a really good day punting. Uh, coverage team's done a really good job. Uh, defense was rolling. I don't. I didn't think there was really any need to be aggressive in that situation. Uh, it obviously didn't work out. Benny Cunningham's trying to run behind defensive players, uh, and they don't block. Uh, well, they do, just not very well, as we've seen. So it, I just didn't like it. Uh, I just didn't think that was the right time for it. If there was a different situation in the game uh, where they were maybe on the other side of the 50, I'd have been okay with it, or closer to the 50, something along those lines. But just where they were at, uh, the way the defense was playing, I just wasn't a fan of the call in that time. Exactly. Exactly my thoughts as well. Again, you can special teams have been doing a job giving the Packers long fields. I trust the defense to, you know, step up with that. Of course, we gave them a much shorter field. That ended up tying the game because afterwards they marched down, got the touchdown rather quickly, and of course converted on their two point attempt. So Outside of that, again, that was the third phase hurting the defense and giving them something to work uh, hard to work with, and that happened exactly on uh, here on Sunday night against the Rams too, with that fake punt with the Rams uh, getting executed, and then the Bears defense had a uh, had a hard time recovering from that. So even though the Bears defense, as uh, my knack was to overcome the offense mistakes, they haven't yet learned how to overcome some of those mental lapses on special teams. Andrew, I'm going to go over to you here. Anything else about special teams that you deem worth mentioning today? Uh, actually, I do want to know your thoughts on Anthony Miller returning kicks because we did have some split decisions on the show last week. 
and uh, I'm a fan of it. Brandon's not. I think Mick, Nick was somewhere in the middle. So I'm curious, do you like Anthony Miller as a kick returner? I do. I really do because I think, you know, field position is so huge and I just my Zell just wasn't cutting it back there. I mean, it just seemed like every time he was taken out of the end zone, you were starting inside the 15. And, you know, Miller, you, you obviously you don't want to see a guy get hurt, a guy that's a big part of the offense. But, I mean, he, he almost seems like he's less a part of the offense than he had been earlier. So this is a way to still keep him involved, use his athleticism. Uh, I do like him returning. The, the fake punt, like you guys both said, I hated hated the idea of it. You know, you can – my – Ideally, you punt the ball, pin him deep like you've been doing. You know, like you said, you got to give some credit to O'Donnell, guy who came in the league. His nickname was Mega Punt because he just had that booming kick. He's getting some finesse to his game now, which is just awesome. You know, he he's become a weapon. But you, you, you pin him deep, or if you're going to go for it, get your offense on the field, either to try to draw them offside in a hard count, or go for it, get your playmakers involved. Not Brandon said, Benny Cunningham running behind a bunch of guys that haven't blocked since high school. I mean, <laughs> so you know that. That that was a big oh no moment for me. But other than that, you know, Cody Parkey made his kick. You didn't didn't hear any doinks today. And, you know, the gunners were covering. Uh, other than that, the more play calling than execution, that special teams played well. I want to kind of counter the Anthony Miller thing. I'm not a fan of him taking it out of the end zone eight to nine yards deep to start the game. And granted he got out to the twenty three, but that was kind of a I think I sucked all the air out of the room watching the TV when he started taking it out. I was like, oh, no. So, uh, I mean, that's something that, you know, I guess the start of the game wasn't really expecting. Uh, but something else, too, you talked about the Gunners. Nick was probably jumping for joy in his seat, uh, seeing two guys on the Gunners on the Tariq Cohen punt they took back for 44 yards. That That is huge, and I wish that Chris Tabor would do that a little bit more because we see how much room that buys Tariq Cohen. So I'd like to see that continue as well. Yeah, he had a running start, too. It was a little bit of a shorter punt. Uh, good blocks ahead of him, and he was able to take that full head of steam and, of course, come away with a big return when we needed it the most. Um, I did just retweet the Chicago Bears. Uh, they posted a picture of Club Dub, and it is just going insane right now. You have players still in their uniforms, still in their jerseys with the NFC North uh, shirts over over them, and they're all just having a good time. It's the most I've ever seen uh, partaking in hashtag Club Dub, so definitely check it out when you can because uh, the players are having themselves a really good time in that locker room, which, of course, is very well-deserved. Uh, NFC North Champions 2018. So with that, guys, it's time to go ahead and grade this game. Can we just all say it was an A because we won the the division and make it easy on ourselves? I agree. I'm one. Brandon? I second. Andrew? A plus. Put put, put the plus in there. Okay, fair. (laughs) Yep. Division champs beat your rival. A plus. Easy. I'm not going to micromanage this week. This is a week to just enjoy yourself, have a good time because, again, it's been like quite some time since the Bears were relevant, uh, let alone win a division, let alone beat the Packers. It's a lot of things that it's been some time for, and it's all happened. Matt Nagy, I think he's the first Bears coach um, in his first year to win 10 games in George Hallis in 1920. Uh, so, again, a lot of things. It's been a lot of time coming. Enjoy yourself, Bears fans. Again, I'm not going to micromanage this or our issues um, that we saw from a couple other phases, and we can probably dock down that grade here and there. But you won the division. You beat the Packers at home. It's an A. It's an A. There's no other way about it. All right, guys. But well, we are going to do a two-minute warning. And, of course, uh, this is where we wrap up our thoughts on this game and put things into perspective moving forward. So, Andrew, you are up first. So what are your final thoughts as we kind of soak in uh, the divisional victory here and we kind of look ahead to what's to come? It's just, you know, it, Green Bay's had our number. You know, when Rodgers is healthy and he plays, it's, it just seems like 
we, we, and I know there's still a lot of bears fans out there that are nervous about this game because of number 12. And just, it seems like we finally got that monkey off our back. We've, you know, all year long, we've kind of established the turning of the tide a little bit. This was the exclamation point on it that had to happen. Uh, I think, it, you know, just some great things you saw was Trubisky winning a game with his arm, not necessarily his legs, and which is huge for his development. And, you know, moving forward, get big one next week. If you can win that one, then, you know, Minnesota's still in that sixth spot. You can maybe take it easy week 17, not really show a whole lot, and then get that rematch first round of the playoffs, which I'll gladly take. There we go. There we go. Good stuff there. Brandon, your turn for your two-minute warning here on, the, what, December 16th as we wrap up the division? Yes. Uh, I had to check my watch, make sure we had that date right. But uh, I kind of want to take this two-minute uh, warning as a reflective spot. Uh, I think that's appropriate uh, now that we can say that we are NFC North champs. Just looking at the year as a whole through 15 weeks, we've just seen so much so much growth from the young guys, from coach. We've seen the play calling change. We've seen them be more prepared seen Mitch growing his maturity, not being able to, you know, really come. Well, he's calmed down in the pocket a lot. Not, you know, he's lost the happy feet. I can't say the last time that we used that term, uh, maybe last week against the Rams to start the game. But outside of that, I mean, he's really calmed down from doing that. Uh, we're starting to see them establish the run, uh, even though the, the stats don't show necessarily that they are. Uh, it's, it's really starting to become a much more balanced offense and it's becoming a lot more potent in those ways. Uh, the only thing I would like to see is we uh, earlier in the year, we've seen a lot more aggressive downfield passes from Mitch. Uh, that's something since uh, he sat out those couple weeks we haven't really seen yet. So uh, if we can get back to that, I think that's just another layer of this offense that we'd, we'd like to see and can really help this offense explode. And the defense is just going to keep doing its thing. I mean, they've grown. They've really forced the turnovers. They've just been uh, turnover machines all year round coming from everybody. I mean, it's not just Eddie Jackson. It's not just Kyle Fuller. It is everybody. Everybody's buying in. Uh, they're they're just playing very very well, and you know what? If Eddie Jackson ends up with a, an ankle sprain that's a little bit more concerning, he doesn't have to play until uh, the wild card round. So, so I mean, I'm not worried about him necessarily too much right now until we know the extent of the injury. Uh, but he's got time to recover. We got guys if they're banged up, uh, this is time to be able to rest it. But don't don't get too comfortable. Uh, got to be able to keep the foot on the gas pedal because you don't want to lose any of the steam or momentum. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill request to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it or any of the fire that we have going right now uh, headed into playoff time. So it's been it's been a lot of fun this year. we still got more to go. Uh, but with it being NFC uh, North champs, I just want to take a moment to really reflect on where we've grown and where we're at right now. Very well done. I'm going to say uh, you've grown too because that was your best two-minute warning probably in the three years of the podcast. Wow, look at me go. <laughs> and that's not a that's not a Nick Snack either. That's just because of it was very well said, very elegant. Mm-hmm. And again, it was a very uh it was an appropriate time to go ahead and do that because like you said, we've accomplished some goals, but we still have a lot more to go and you have to kind of take it all in perspective. Uh for me, I mean I'm just relishing this. Uh I have been all show, I have been all day just thinking about the potential uh opportunity here to win the division against Green Bay at home. And on top of that, continue our success that we've had at Soldier Field. We're now, we finished the year 7-1 and one at home. I'm going to go back and do the math after I uh, stop the broadcast, but I'm pretty sure that's more wins at least in the last two years for sure. 
definitely maybe even the last three years at home as well. If I do, I'm going to check, but it does feel like we've had more wins at Soldier Field this year than at least the past few years combined. So uh, kudos for the Bears for understanding the importance of success at home. And of course, the Bears fans are rallying around them, uh, getting loud, showing up to these games. Uh, it's just been a lot of fun to watch. And anytime you can protect your own house, good things are bound to follow. Uh, so for me, the Bears' ability to keep winning at home is something to keep in mind, especially with us having a home game um, here in the wild card as well. Kind of keep that momentum alive as we reach that point after two straight road games to end the year. Uh, but for me, again, I mean, we've been through a lot. Brandon, you just talked about this year. I mean, I could reflect on when we started this podcast and where this team was and all the instances and where they've kind of picked up. But I don't need to go through that far down memory lane. Uh, but for me, uh, as a Bears fan and to my fellow Bears fans listening, I just want to you know, thank you for uh, sticking with us throughout the years, throughout this season, or perhaps this is your first time listening. I want to thank you for uh, checking us out as well. But yeah, the Chicago Bears found a way to win the division here in 2018 under Matt Nagy's first season, and that exceeded everybody's expectations. And I believe that it's time to... Uh, I mean, I said that in years past, you know, keep expectations low, allow them to go above them. I'm going to kind of keep that mentality here as we end this season. Now, I did talk about last week, the Bears and their chances of winning the Super Bowl. Do I believe they have a chance? Absolutely. But I'm going to take this thing one week at a time, and I believe that's going to be the appropriate approach as we go through this. So for the Bears, winning this with two games left, of course, is huge. Um, It's going to kind of change how we go, you know, attack these next two games. Um, So it'd be interesting to see how it all shakes out, but... It's hard not to celebrate. It's hard not to get, you know, a little bit ahead of ourselves right now. So, um, again, pat yourselves on the back. We kind of made it. We're over the hill or maybe what, over the cusp. Is that it? Over the hill sounds horrible. That's not what I meant. We're over the cusp. Whatever that phrase is, we've made it. We've uh, we've overcame some of these odds that were against us. We're now the best team in the NFC North, at least this season. Again, every year is a little bit different. But we took down Aaron Rodgers. We beat the Packers. Life is good as a Bears fan. And it doesn't get much better than that. So again, the Bears won 24 to 17 at home, finished seven and one at Soldier Field. Currently sitting 10 and four on the year, uh, right in the driver's seat for that third seed in the NFC. It's going to be a lot of fun to kind of see how it all unfolds down the stretch, and hope you stick with us throughout it as well because we're going to have a lot of fun covering this thing as well. So yeah, we're going to begin our Week 16 preview on Tuesday. Uh, but until then, enjoy yourself a victorious Monday, a victory Monday, one that you can say, you can go to work tomorrow saying, hey, my Bears are division champions. So definitely enjoy that. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Bear down, Chicago Bears.